This is the Parenting for Faith podcast from the Bible Reading Fellowship. Visit parentingforfaith.org for free online videos and resources and an eight-session course all about Parenting for Faith. You can also sign up for news, subscribe to this podcast, and find out about events and training in your area. Welcome to the Parenting for Faith podcast. My name is Rachel Turner, and this episode, we are going to look at how to create opportunities to talk about God with your kids without asking questions. The second thing we're going to be looking at is a question from a listener about a a child who's struggling in RE lessons with aggressive peers. We're also going to hear again, she's back, Crystal Chang, uh, talking about uh, talking to teenagers and giving us some tips on how we can do that well. And as always, a question start an interesting conversation, but you don't need one to create an opportunity to talk about God, which is why we're doing this at the beginning. So let's begin. In our first section, uh, I wanted to talk about uh, how to create opportunities that aren't starting with a question, because at the end of our podcasts, we always say, hey, here's a question and start an interesting conversation. And uh, we were aware that that may accidentally put across the concept that one of the main ways to start a conversation with your child or to uh, influence your kid spiritually is to, you know, ask a question. And uh, and I just was realizing that it's not supposed to be that. Uh, I wanted to give us a gift of a sort of, hey, you know, start an interesting conversation, but that isn't the end all and the be all, nor is it the center of our spiritual influence with our kids. It's only a small occasional tool. Most of life, are opportunities that just pop up. Uh, And I think I just wanted to remind us that this is not teachable moments. When we're talking about how do we influence our kids' faith, how do we talk about God with our children, we don't just need to restrict it to important God conversations and teachable moments. Because influencing our children's faith, coaching their relationship with God, is is so much bigger than all of that. The questions are designed to help kids process or to give you a window into what's happening into their lives. It's about uh, creating uh, open, creative questions to sort of get a glimmer into their hearts. It was just a a tool to um, help us have a little moment of discipleship. But I think we need to step back and think about what we mean by how do we create opportunities to talk about God with our kids. Because what's our goal when we talk about creating opportunities? Sometimes we narrow our our vision, we narrow our goal to, I want to have a in-depth, heart-to-heart conversation with my child about God. And we can narrow what we view as a significant spiritual moment, a significant spiritual opportunity to, did I end up having a great, deep spiritual conversation? Did I teach them an idea? Did I get them to pray? And when we narrow our focus to those goals, we begin to miss all of the opportunities that we naturally have. So I would suggest when we talk about how do we create opportunities to influence our kids' faith, we need to broaden what that means. This isn't just how do I create a formal environment for my child to have a conversation. This is 
making it so wide. The goal is to let your kids see what life with God is like. So any opportunity to show them is an opportunity. There's a goal to help our kids see the world with God in it. And so we can shape how they view God and we can ride their spiritual waves and we can help them connect to God through chatting and catching in prayer. It's not about teaching. It's not about particularly coming out with a good conversation. I just wanted to stop and remind you that everything you do is significant in the life of your kid's spiritual life. As you create opportunities, you are creating opportunities by inviting them to see, by sharing what you see, by praying out loud when they're not around or when they may catch you, by being the eunice of you when you're tired and explaining who you are. All of that stuff that is just foundational life with God that you allow them to see, that you invite them into, that you create space for them to respond to questions you ask. It's the weaving together of all of the tools that create opportunities for you to influence your children's faith. So don't worry about about trying to strategize and plan about I'm going to watch this movie and then I'm going to ask this question or I'm going to buy this devotional and then we're going to sit in the mornings and do that. All of those things may be things you do, but don't panic about how you're going to create those opportunities. Live your life with your kids. Create those windows. Frame for them what you see. Unwind wrong views of God when they pop up. Surf the waves of their interest. Help them chat and catch to God. And as those happen, you will find those opportunities. You will you will use all of those tools to embrace all of those little moments. Every moment is an opportunity. You don't need to create them. You are in them. And it's just how you use those opportunities you already have rather than feeling the need to create them. So when at the end of the podcast, we give you a question to ask, that is just one small tool that as you're sitting there laughing in the car, waiting for your other kid to get out of school or swimming, that is one more thing to weave into a full and broad life of opportunities you're already given to help them see and know God. For our question today, we have a listener who wrote in about her son and RE lessons. Uh, we really appreciate when listeners send in e- uh, emails or through the website or through the Facebook page. If you have an issue that's happening in your family life that you would uh, like some outside input into uh, to the best that I have, uh, then feel free to uh, contact us. We'd love to hear from you. And this listener uh, says this, my son used to enjoy his RE lessons, but lately he said repeatedly that he hated RE as the other kids in his class hate God and said nasty things about God and challenged him on things like God didn't create the earth. The big bang did. And how could, uh, how could he explain about the existence of dinosaurs? What about aliens? All of those questions are making him really sad as he doesn't know all the answers himself. We talked about it, saying not everyone has a chance to get to know God, especially as they're from non-believing families. May I ask your advice, please? Even hearing all of these made me a bit sad, too, as many people are very narrow-minded. Yeah, 
it makes me sad too. I can just picture um, your son facing an enormous amount of questions and that being a difficult place to be. Uh, I just wanted to start off by saying, I love how your son told you about his feelings about this and that he's talking to you about these difficult situations. I think that's a great sign already of how you're spiritually coaching him through it. And I just wanted to pause and notice that. I think that's really good. I feel like there's two things here. One, how to handle an aggressive environment faith-wise. And two, how to answer, how to help our children answer difficult questions. And I find sometimes we we smush those two together to feel like we need to equip our kids to answer questions so that they can handle aggressive environments. And, and actually, I think those are two separate issues to deal with. And I think they can inform each other, but I think when we think about them in two separate pots, I guess, then we can uh, become more proactive and helpful with our kids. So the first thing I would suggest is looking at how to help our children handle an aggressive aggressive environment uh, faith-wise. And that can be tough to be the one kid or the one person I experience it too sometimes, you know, responsible for all of Christianity's answers. That can be really hard because uh, everybody is different. Everybody's personality is different. And so you have some kids who just hate to be exposed in that group environment and want to shrink and hole and die. And you have other kids who are like, behold, a challenge. I shall chew this up and spit you out with my answers. And it really depends on what kind of child you have. But the the really interesting conversation to have at the beginning of this is not how can we deal with aggressive people, but it's who do I as a person feel called to be in this place, in this environment? How am I shaped? And what is God asking me to do? And who do I want to be here? Because that is what's going to motivate our kids to go on whatever learning journey they need to go on to be the person they're called to be in that environment. And so our job as a parent is to help them ask that question of themselves, who am I called to be? And, and figure out then how to equip them to do that. And so you can tell your kid, you know, when I'm at work, I have to figure out who I am as a Christian. And there are people who are aggressive or don't understand. I have to figure out who I am when I'm dealing with the other parents at the school drop-off and when I'm out shopping, you know, figuring out who I am as a Christian and what I'm called to do and be and say in those places is just part of life. And and I'm here to help you figure out what that means for you here, because you're going to have to ask yourself that question in every school you go to and every workplace you go to. So we might as well start talking now, and then I can help you figure out how to do it. So if you don't want to be exposed in that environment and feel like you just can't cope with having 29 people ask you questions, then that's okay. We can come up with ways for you to duck out of trying to be the Christianity guru for everybody. We can come up with ways of you getting out of that or phrases that you can say or ways that you can shrug your shoulders. If, if that's not the environment you feel like you need to speak into, that's okay. We can help you do one-to-one questions later. If you want to be able to say, I don't know, and you just want to be able to listen and engage and give an I don't know answer, that's okay. We can practice that. If you want to know how to answer questions when you only know a little bit, we can talk about that. And if you want to figure out how to have a full-on debate and pull out 
huge apologetics, I can help you with that too. But what do you want to do? What, who do you want to be in this place? And have that conversation. It's a really useful conversation to have. And it sounds like you've done a great job of framing for him why people are asking questions because they don't have a background with God, so they just can't possibly imagine it. But uh, now he needs the how, the equipping. So create windows into your stories about how you do it, but also feel free to equip him to enact what he wants, whether it's role play. Um, So many parents use role play with their kids where they say, okay, if someone asks you this question, what do you want to say and practice it and and say, okay, well, you want to duck out of it. So you can say, I don't know, but I still believe it. Or you can say, I don't know, that's a tough one, isn't it? And give them one or two phrases to just deal with it so they don't feel that they have to get in an argument. Or if your son wants to research questions and have one every week and come equipped every week for a new question. You guys can do that together. If he feels like it's just too much pressure and he wants to be able to talk about his faith, but without feeling that pressure, you two can go talk to the teacher together and 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 bring that up. So there's so many different ways that you could equip your son to do whatever he feels like he's called to do and be in that place. And so once once we help them find their place in that environment, then we can talk about how to answer the actual question. Uh, first of all, does he actually have those questions? Is he bringing home those questions and feeling like he should know the answer to them? And so therefore he's not really curious, but it feels like a performance thing. Or is it actually something he's genuinely interested in to find out? And Either way, you can equip him more in apologetics and how to find those answers because some of those questions do have answers and some of them are wide open. The alien question I find fascinating. There are some Christians I know who are convinced that there are aliens. And I know some Christians who are convinced that if there were aliens, all of the gospel would completely collapse. And there are people completely in between. And there is such a rich experience of apologetics of saying these are the answers we know these are the answers that people are still wrestling with and this is where theologically and biblically they got there and uh, there's an enormous amount of fun that can be had there and i think every kid um, that we have needs to be sort of equipped and inspired in those areas but um, follow his curiosity and follow his desires rather than feeling like there is a tick box of things that you have to shove in his head Um, There's the Reboot Conference, which is a teen conference that can be really helpful uh, for really curious answers. Uh, There's a book called The Case for Christ for Kids. There's loads of resources out there if you really want to deep dive into finding the answers to these questions. But uh, feel free to just treat it as separate from from the other question. Help him figure out who he wants to be and equip him in that. And also help him get better at questions because he's going to be facing those for a lifetime. But it's also really important just within these questions to also help him cope with the emotions of the faith impact. Uh, The fact that doubt is okay and still figuring it out is all right. And not everybody knows all the answers. And that's you don't have to know the answers to have a faith. All of that normalizing wondering is a really important part of this journey for 
your son and for all of our children, because they, they need to know that Christianity isn't just knowing all the things on the list. It's a walk with God and it's a mystery and it's a wondering. And there are some things that we know and can find out and discuss through apologetics. And there are some things that we may never know. And how do we walk that with faith is important. So I hope that's given you some next steps in helping your son. Uh, I just want to pray for your son, though, really quickly. God, I thank you for this kid who is standing in a room full of people who are challenging you. And that can be so hard. I pray that you would um, come so close to this this boy in class as um, people speak out against you and dishonor you with their words and challenge questions, I pray that you would be so tangibly with him, that he would know uh, your reality, that he would know your truth. And I pray that you would inspire this family to help them go on a journey side by side of finding out who he's called to be in that place and equipping him for those questions that will come up over and over over a lifetime. In Jesus' name, amen. So this is Anna Hawking. I'm part of the team here at Parenting for Faith, and I'm here again with Crystal Chang. Crystal's been on our podcast before, so welcome back, Crystal. Hi, it's great to be back. (laughs) And um, I wanted to ask you this time about your wisdom on teenagers, particularly teenage (laughs) girls. I know you've done a lot of work um, sort of talking to them in a church context. I wondered if you could give us any ideas or pointers of ways to open them up and have, have good conversations. Sure. So I've spent a lot of time working with teenage girls in the church context, but I was also a high school teacher here in the States for almost 10 years. Um, And during that time, what I learned is most teenagers are going to go through something difficult. It's not because they're bad or they're rebellious. It's because they're teenagers. Um, And statistically, what we find to be true is that one out of four teenage girls are going to experience some sort of sexual assault. Um, one out of 10 are going to identify as something other than heterosexual. One out of uh, five are going to consider suicide. One out of nine will attempt suicide. That goes up by 300% if they're one of the kids struggling with same-sex attraction. And so when we think about those numbers, one in five, one in 10, one in seven, if we spend time with 10 teenagers, there's a, there's a chance that each of those is true about one of our kids. Um, and if you're parenting a teenager, there, there is the possibility that one of those things may be true about your kid. Um, and so the question is, what do we do in those really difficult conversations? If a teenager gets the courage to tell us something really scary or really vulnerable, what, what is our best response? And so I would say, whether I'm talking to a parent or a volunteer or an auntie or a mentor, that the real bullseye on the target for us is to to indicate that we are a safe place first. Because the first question a teenager is asking, if they get the courage to tell us something difficult, is, am I safe? And usually they determine whether or not they're safe, not by the words we're saying, but by the look on our face. They can see it in our eyes, whether we're surprised, whether we're disappointed, whether we're angry. And so as the adults in their lives, we almost have to practice our facial reactions. So before we ever have a difficult conversation, almost run, uh, run exercises to practice with ourselves. What if they told me this? What if they said they're self-harming? What if they said they're struggling with suicidal thoughts? 
how would my face respond? And then what words would I say? What words do I want to make sure that I don't say? And what words do I want to make sure that I do say? Because in those moments, of course, we're humans. And our reaction is to have a, a cortisol fight or flight response. And our bodies are reacting in ways that we can't really control if we haven't practiced for those moments. And so my advice to parents is to assume that some of these things may happen. And if they do, practice what your response is so that your child knows you're a safe place and that they will bring you difficult conversations in the future instead of taking them somewhere else. The second piece of advice I would give is this, is to think of those conversations in two parts. The first would be the, what I would call an emergency room conversation. That's your very first conversation with a kid. And you know, if you were to go to the hospital with a gunshot wound and you were in the emergency room, that they would treat the most critical, the most critical thing in that moment. They would not talk to you about your diet. They would not talk to you about your caffeine consumption. They probably wouldn't talk to you about your exercise habits. They would treat the part of you that's bleeding. And that's what we do in our first conversation that's difficult with a teenager is we treat the most critical thing and that's the heart. And we make sure that, that they know that they, they're safe, that they know that you and I are okay, you and God are okay, that all of us together, we're going to get through this. So that's the first conversation. Um, the second conversation is what I would call a trail. It's long. And it might be a second, a third, a fourth, a fifth conversation where then we begin to unpack, okay, theologically, what does this mean? Or what does scripture say? Or as your parent, what do I want you to know? Um, how do we handle this practically? There's time for all of those conversations down the trail. And I think as an adult, I feel a pressure in the very first moments to tell them absolutely everything I want them to know. And it's helpful just to remember, no, 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 this is the emergency room. I'm treating the heart. There will be plenty of time to have the practical conversations down the trail. That's so helpful because I think often the, the question for parents is just how to deal with that initial shock and we jump on it. We want to put everything in that moment. So I think sure. I'm good. I have smaller children and I'm going to keep that in mind. <laughs> That's really great. <laughs> um, you mentioned a few times there, if, if your child or teenager has the courage to talk to you or to someone else, what would you say to a parent who thinks that their child might be struggling with one of these issues, with something difficult, you feel like something's bothering them, something things up, um, but they haven't had the confidence to come to you. Do you have any advice for them? I would say the quickest way to shoot or to let me try saying that again. Um, I would say that the quickest way to make a teenager be very quiet is to accuse them of something. And so we have to be very careful. They're, they're fragile in that way. We almost have to ask sneaky questions as opposed to saying, hi, are you struggling with thoughts of self-harm? But instead, we have to ask a little more careful questions, especially the younger they are. 13, 14, 15-year-olds are much more likely to shut down than 17, 18, or 19-year-olds. Um, so careful questions getting to the same point might be, um, does anything worry you about the future? Um, what takes up the most space in your brain right now? If one of your friends was to say that they worry about you, what do you think they would worry about? And so sometimes helping them think about it through the lens of someone else can be really helpful as opposed to asking them direct questions. Now, if we think that a child is struggling with uh, thoughts of harming themselves and specifically thoughts of suicide, 
I would say don't let the question or don't let the conversation end until you ask that because those are such dangerous thoughts that we can't just let those um, linger until another conversation. And so ending the conversation with, hey, this this might be a little strange to ask and I feel a little strange asking it, but it's just so important. Have you ever thought about harming yourself or have you ever thought about uh, maybe even not being here anymore? And giving them the opportunity to voice that, um, because those are those are some really scary conversations. I would also point to a resource for parents that I recommend all the time. I think it's really really helpful because there are some conversation guides there. Um, there are guides on what to say and what not to say in a lot of situations, and that resource is the Parent Q C U E dot org. So Parent Q dot org has. A lot of resources for parents of children of all ages about how to have conversations about anything from self-harm to divorce to um, sexual activity to all the all the really difficult stuff that we'd like help talking about. Brilliant. And what about when we get it wrong, when we mess up? So you were just saying um, you've given some amazing advice there, and I hope we'll remember that. But uh, we're all human. We all get it wrong. What if your teenager comes to you and says something and you have a bit of a a knee-jerk reaction, your face does look shocked, or you try and shove lots of theology and advice um, all in one go? If you feel like you've got it a little bit wrong, um, what would you suggest to parents to to do to to kind of take that forward? Well, I would say that teenagers learn how to be humans by watching us. So let's teach them to be good humans in that moment and model what it looks like to apologize and to say, you know, I really, I really messed that one up and I'd like to restart that conversation. Would it be okay if we started over? Would it be okay if I tried again? I feel terrible about the way that I reacted And I wish I'd said so many things differently. And so I'm wondering if you would give me a second chance. And typically teenagers are, um, they they can be more terrible than we think in normal everyday moments, but they can also be more wonderful than we think in really difficult moments. And so they might surprise you with how gracious and forgiving they are if, if we're honest enough to just apologize and start over. Mm, that power of the apology, it's, it's massive, isn't it? Crystal, sure. thank you so much. This has been really helpful. Um, if people want to find out more about your books and resources, follow you on social media, uh, how do we do that? Sure thing. So um, they can for sure follow me on social media. On every platform, I'm at Crystal C. Chiang. Um, And of course, my last name is spelled weird, so I'll spell it for you. It's C-H-I-A-N-G. And I'm also at crystalcchang.com. And the final question to start an interesting conversation, although you don't need a question (laughs) to start a conversation, but if you so wanted one, here is one. If we didn't know God, how would our lives be different? You could say for you, if if you didn't know God, if I didn't know God, how would our lives be different? Have a good conversation. Thank you for downloading the Parenting for Faith podcast. A new episode will be released next week. And why not look at parentingforfaith.org to watch the free eight-session course to get in touch or to find out about training and events near you.